Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like this show, please give us a five-star review. We talk judging and MMA, so you should know the criteria. You can learn it by reading it at abcboxing.com. Dan, it's been a week since we've done this. This is this is rare territory for us. We've obviously moved to a, a different structure. Uh, how, how has it been, like, kind of taking a little bit of extra time between shows? I like it. But next week, well, this week, we'll have two shows for you. That's right. So. We are back uh, with a double dose this week because it is a pay-per-view week um, for the UFC. I think we'll probably be doing it for, for pay-per-views, definitely. And then also maybe some non-pay-per-view shows that are kind of bigger and more interesting bigger right? fights yeah yeah any, any anything that kind of ends up meaning that and even if it's for some reason bellator or pfl or what have you you know cage warriors whatever uh well we, we can probably find reasons to do it here and there but uh yeah i think i think this will be good it's kind of it'll recharge our batteries a little bit allow us to focus on on i think what we really do best on this show which is uh contested rounds right the when we kind of look at the, the most recent event yeah the, the, the freshest in everyone's mind that everyone's all up in arms about. That's right. What's the yeah. judges' heads for? And, and actually, we just set a record for contested rounds uh, for the previous episode, the, the uh, Dillashaw and Corey Sanhagen fight that not only that one had a people up in arms, but a couple of those fights on the earlier part of the main card. Uh, that set a new record for us. And I, I have to think at least part of that has to do with the fact that we had uh, Spencer Kite on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Spencer Kite. Thank you for controversy. That's right. That thanks, thanks to all of that. But uh, Spencer, if you're listening, appreciate it. But we actually had a very busy weekend, didn't we, sir? Yes, we did. We had Bellator actually taking the big stage from the UFC for one night, at least. Uh, everyone knew this was going to be the bigger fight and, and the bigger card. And I think it probably ended up living up to that more or less, too. Right. What do you, what do you think? Were you happy with the Bellator experience this weekend? You're obviously very, I, you're you're much more critical of Bellator in general. I like this card. I was excited for it for the main event. Okay. I didn't watch the prelims. No, I did not watch the prelims either. I, I between uh, UFC and and the whole card, I there's only so much time. But I had I had the main card. I watched on silent while I was watching the UFC underneath it. Okay. I think the UFC knew real fight fans are going to want to watch this fight. So let's you know get our main event over with. They completely so, punted on this one. Like the entire structure of it. I mean, they were moving fights off here. It wasn't a particularly solid, uh, from a promotional standpoint, card to begin with, right? But I mean, yeah. you know, they obviously they were able to keep their main event of Sean Strickland and Uri Hall. But after that, I mean, they lost fights, which you can't really control. But they lost a ton of fights. It was supposed to be fifteen, and it ended up being, I think, ten. Um, ten. Yeah. It was down to nine, I, and then we actually got one like we, put back. back. Like I don't understand. I heard. I I heard that. Some betters were very upset because, oh, <laughs> because they had their play in on that fight. Fight got scrapped, so the bet gets scrapped, and then the fight came back, but the bookmakers didn't add that fight back. Oh, to the, uh, that's to the slate. So, yeah. Ugh. I mean, fortunately, I'm not a better, so it doesn't bother me. But if, if you're out there and you're a better, and I imagine there's at least some people who listen to us because they're betters, because honestly, I, I would think if. Look, if I was the type that was going to go bet on all these fights, I would want a legitimate understanding of how judges actually judge because then you might have just a little bit more of an edge on people who don't understand how it works. Definitely. And the, to point out how, you know, 
back burner MMA is to these bookmakers, you'll see a fight scratch or a late opponent change, and the next day it's still the original opponent. On oh the yes, car. that's like, true. I, I've that observed so much. Yeah, I've observed that just through work because you know mm-hmm. part of my job sometimes involves updating uh kind of the betting lines and things like that, and and even when I come into the day of, it's like uh, some of the lines are are out of date from earlier in the morning. Like there's a fight that was scrapped or whatever, and I just I have to go in and change that. And you know that's part of the process of when you edit a newspaper and you go through that kind of thing. But I'm much more in tune with MMA, so I'm like I'm gonna look at all of these and kind of make sure uh things go as planned. But yeah, I mean sometimes even. On like betmgm.com, which is what we use for the New York Post, uh, they'll have a fight sitting there, and I'm like, nah, nah, it ain't on anymore. <laughs> this fight was scrapped a week ago, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad, but it's not that far off. But hey, I mean, we we've got a couple things that kind of came out storyline wise uh, before we get to contested rounds here. Uh, f- start with Bellator, actually, and that of course was AJ McKee, the coronation. Uh, He's been building up to this moment from the time he stepped into the Bellator cage for his pro- professional debut. He's now 18-0, all in Bellator, and that's AJ McKee getting the featherweight title, the featherweight Grand Prix title, the million-dollar prize over Patrizio Pitbull, who, I mean, for a long time, like, look, if, if you didn't watch anything but UFC, then you probably haven't heard of him, but if you if you ever knew that there were other fight promotions out there, you knew that Patrizio Pitbull was the boss, and he took it to Pitbull. So amazing win for AJ McKee. What did you think of that? Yeah, I thought that was awesome. Head kick, little premature, thought it was over. Oh, yeah, you so. can't celebrate like that. Hopefully he <laughs> learned a little bit. I'm sure his dad's probably in his ear about that one. But, yeah, but, I mean, the kick was, was strong enough where Pitbull was, was still out of it. He just grabbed the neck and squeezed until he went out. Yeah, so. there was, you know, there was a little bit of a question whether it was the right stoppage or not. I think replay vindicated uh, Mike Beltran's decision to call off the fight even, at that point. Even if he, you know, even if he wasn't all the way out, I think Pitbull completely removes his hands from the choke. So he's not defending it at all. So now you yeah. have a situation where, like, Mike Chiesa and uh, and who choked him out? And he, he's like, I wasn't out. I wasn't out. He jumped up right away. You remember that? Was that Anthony Pettis? I'm no, trying to no, remember. The Motown Phenom. I forget his name. Oh, you're talking about Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee. I'm sorry. I, I, I should have known that name. I couldn't think of it. But It's a boring name. He's got a better nickname. <laughs> I think it's a similar situation now where Chiesa wasn't out, but he, he stopped defending it. So you're not intelligently defending. So, I mean, I think, he, but I do think Pitbull did go out, but I think he had a case even if he wasn't out to stop that fight right there. It seemed like even, even he had relented and, and, you know, got to watch it back and was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was out. You know, I mean, when you're right in that moment, he's obviously, you know, out of sorts and he was choked. Mm-hmm. It's hard to fault the fighter for the way to react in that moment. Like I, I do my best to not go crazy on fighters who, you know, in the moment are, are protesting or what have you. If they go back and they get to watch and they say, okay, you know, I get it. Mm-hmm. Good on them. They, they they deserve that right, which is why it's, you know, I don't love the idea of interviewing fighters who have been knocked out or they, they've been stopped due to strikes, uh, which Joe Rogan <laughs> went away from for a little while. And now we have obviously the billion uh, memes where he's interviewing oh like God. Simba. When his dad is dead right in front of him, and and oh, I saw one today where he was he wanted to. I saw I, some I think, ones. That I think it was Jillian DeCourcy posted this on. I'll, I'll credit Jillian, a former guest of our show, uh, posted the one with Joe uh, was interviewing ET when he's sitting on the lab table with the side <laughs> <laughs> about to be dissected. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of ET, by the way. It's, it's not a good movie. I'm sorry. I don't. I couldn't even tell you. 
except the bike ride. If you, if you like E.T., uh, I'm sorry, but I just don't like it. Uh, <laughs> moving on, though, I, let, let's talk about where, where this puts A.J. McKee and kind of what track he's on. What is his potential as a fighter? I mean, forget, ah. I don't want to talk about, like, where he'll end up or anything like that. You know, the sky. The sky's the limit. You really think this is someone who could end up being, like, like a real he, all-timer at 145 or 55? He seems he had an issue when he was younger. Of always wanted to party, and then he changed his focus. Mm-hmm. Came in, and then he just—he's killing it now. He is. Uh, his mindset is is totally in the right place. Yeah, I mean, he was young. You know, he started young, and and he was having a little bit of fun. And yeah, I think now with with age, he's gotten a little bit more mature, especially as uh his potential has come into focus. It seems like he's done a really good job, and probably his father has done a good job of keeping him focused and uh driving him in the right direction. Obviously, he's seeing the results happening too, so it's like, hey, this is paying off. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, that continues for him. But yeah, I mean, I would agree. I do think probably his future. Uh, he's going to be more like Conor McGregor where it's like, all right, he's at 45, but he's probably not there very long. He's a big 45. He's got a big frame. I think he's someone who's going to get much more comfortable at 55. Um, I don't know how soon that could be. I mean, maybe he gets the immediate title shot against uh, Pitbull at 55 too, because Pitbull has that other belt. I don't know. Potentially. But uh, where would you rank just even right now? If you looked at all promotions across all promotions, that includes UFC, Bellator, PFL, Cage Warriors, what have you, anyone who's 145 pounds, I think where do you think you'd put McKee? I think it's safe to rank him at four. I think you can make a case for three. I I don't think so. Who are the, who's ahead of him then? Vulcan Holloway, without a doubt. Okay. One and two, and then you're interchangeable with Ortega. Okay. At three, so I, I don't. I think you can maybe you can make the case for three. I want to see how Ortega, his last fight, he was a world beater. Oh, he looked terrific, so. sure. I would say, I, I think I'm inclined to agree with you as far as you, where you'd rank him. I would put him at three. I don't think I, I could find it in me to put him ahead of Holloway, um, and thus I couldn't put him ahead of Volkanovski because I actually, having watched that fight <laughs> between the two of them, the last one last year, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously some people think Max won that fight. It's still highly debatable. Some people think that's a robbery. It, well, they're wrong <laughs> because it's, it's it's look, it's a debatable decision. That's, that's as far as I'm willing to go with that because it's a split decision, which means there is some room for debate amongst judges themselves. It is mm-hmm. entirely reasonable to call that a debatable decision. So if you land on the side where you believe that Max Holloway won, okay, fine, you can put him number one. I actually don't. I'm going to go with Volkanovski's number one and Max is number two and McKee is number three. But if you're asking me who would win between McKee and Holloway and McKee and Volkanovski, I don't know that answer. So maybe he could ascend to number one. But as far as actual accomplishments, which is what we rank by, I'm going to go with three. All right. Fair. Now, what about Pitbull, though? Because obviously he's been amazing for so many years. You know, when I started watching Bellator, I started watching during season two when all the fights were being shown on uh, what was a Fox Sports networks and stuff like that. So like I would watch on my direct TV and we had Fox Sports South or something would always have it on like sooner than other ones. So I'd watch it there. Um, but yeah, he I mean, I took a liking to watching him. 11 years ago and obviously he's been amazing since then but yeah i mean is what do you think is this the beginning of the end for him or what i mean if it's the beginning of the end it's i think it's the very very beginning of yeah the the, the like, tip of the iceberg like, right like you so eloquently put it before when you came in welcome to the back nine <laughs> yes I, I for context sir it is dan's birthday today as we record it 
And uh, yeah, I did say welcome to the back nine. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a year older than you, so I, okay, you know, I'm used fair. to that. I can All say right. that. You're yeah. always younger than me. Sure. So. Okay. Unless I die first. <laughs> Let's hope not. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's the end for Pitbull. I, I put Pitbull right behind McKee. So he'd be number five or number, or yeah, he'd probably be number five. I don't know if I'd put him ahead of Ortega. Okay. Even if I had Ortega at four, but I don't think you can put him behind Josh Emmett. Or Ensign Barbosa or, or Dan Ige or anybody like that. Okay. And uh, so I, I tend to think he's still still very, very high up there. I do think there is a distinct line between some of those guys you're talking about. Like I, I would put McKee, like I said, up in the top there. I think I can group Pitbull and Ortega in the same, you know, where would you put one mm-hmm. of them or the other? Uh, now after this loss, I guess I might be more willing to drop Pitbull behind Ortega, which I don't think I would have before, um, but I think you can do that now. Um, but yeah, I do think there's that's like whichever one you have at the bottom of there, Pitbull or, or Ortega, it, it, that's like a tier. And then there's another tier below them. Plus, also to stick with, you know, is it the end for Pitbull? I, this was such a fast fight. Like this is this is on par with Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo <sighs> in, in terms of the way the, they lost. So they didn't have much to show yes no. that would say, hey, I'm done here. Uh, my, you know, my skill set is diminishing. I think yeah. it's more of a this just wasn't his night kind of thing. So, like, well, you could probably say the same thing about the Aldo and McGregor fight. I think <laughs> that one even less so because it's really just like, man, you just got him. Like, he didn't he didn't get a lucky punch. He 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 caught him making a mistake and and he did the right thing and that was it. Like that's really all that was. It was one thing that happened. I don't. There's a little bit more to this. I just don't think it was his night and it was definitely McKee's night. But. Yeah, I, I would like to see them actually. I really do want to see them run it back uh, at 155 pounds. Go ahead, put that other belt up the li- on the line. Why not? I think that's, you know, run it back 155, 145. It don't matter to me. Uh, I just think it would make zero sense if they do it at 155 pounds. I, I think it makes zero sense for McKee to have to win another fight at 155 pounds. He already beat the guy. Oh, that that would make no sense. Like, plus, plus, I think he has one fight left on his contract. Yes, had- but but now he's the champion, I believe, in Bellator. They also have kind of a champions-type clause. I'm not 100% certain on that. Okay. But I believe it's uh, a little different when when they win those fights, and you know, because they don't want their champions to leave. Oh, no. Vince McMahon, Bret Hart, 97, Montreal. <laughs> McKee's going to show up on UFC TV and throw the belt in the garbage. I don't <laughs> imagine this is going to happen. <laughs> the screw job. I don't see that happening, but you know what? We don't want to. We don't want to belabor contested rounds too much longer. But I do want to talk real quick about the headliner in uh, UFC Vegas number thirty-three. Sean Strickland dominated for five rounds over Uriah Hall. That was not the result I expected. Uh, I figured it would. If anything, there would be some sort of finish. But I thought Hall was going to win that one, and I was most definitely wrong. I really thought Hall was going to win too. Yeah, uh, uh, but get credit to Strickland, right? Fought good fight. Can Strickland be the champion? Let me no. ask you. I'm going to cut to the chase. No. 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 Never. He's, I mean, he's just, just he's a technical Forrest Griffin. So, I mean, Forrest Griffin was a champ, though. Yeah. But it's a different it era a of fighting. Different era. Yeah. It's a different era of fighting. I think so. But I think he reminds me of him. I mean, I don't think Forrest Griffin was as twisted as he is. Man's talking about. <laughs> no. He's like, oh, I would love to kill somebody yeah. in the cage. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm sure the UFC loves so. that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they're going to promote the heck out of that one. Yeah, that's that's insane. To that me. is yeah. not happening. I don't think he can ascend to the top. I agree. I, I don't think, especially with Israel Adesanya in the way, I don't see him having a whole lot to offer 
Adesanya. Um, yeah. By the way, if he, if he's not gonna get uh, Uriah Hall out of there in five rounds, twenty five minutes, um, I don't know who he's gonna really kill in the cage. Pretty much, yeah. You know, just I'm just putting it out there. But but yeah, I don't I don't see him as a future champion. I I am curious how much higher he can get because I do think there are some high level middleweights, higher higher ranked middleweights that he might be able to beat. Okay. You know, I'd be interested to see what he could do against, uh, let's say, Marvin Vittori. That's who I was thinking they should get. You want to see that? I want to see that next, I think. Okay, I could see that one. That, that would be interesting. A bunch of talkers. Well, one talker and one guy Listen, who's... Listen, if, <laughs> if Sean Strickland starts talking, like he, Marvin Vittori is going to get very angry. And then we, we <laughs> may see fun. something really crazy happen. <laughs> that would be fun. Well, hey, Marvin Vittori also fought uh, Kevin Holland earlier this year, another talker. Yeah, that was, I mean, how up for Vittori was he for that? I'm not sure. I don't think he was. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you see, that's what you would do with him next. Or Hermanson. Hermanson. Okay. You yeah. know, because uh, neither, neither of the guys are booked. They yeah. Just, so. I don't know if I love the Hermanson. Well, I, I don't hate it, but I, I actually do like the idea of going and giving him Vittori. Why not? I could give him, I mean, how far? I mean, you, you can't give him Derek Brunson if he wins uh, in two weeks, right? Derek Brunson needs upward momentum. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I agree, he, he wins, yeah. like, he needs upward momentum. Yeah. I mean, maybe if he loses. There might be some interest in that, but you know, but I, I don't know about that. I don't even know if that that should be the right thing for him either. Mm. Uh, what about Uriah Hall? I mean, I, I don't I don't care who you think he's gonna fight next. Uh, they'll they'll figure that out if you have somebody that's fine. But my question is, has Uriah Hall peaked? Yeah, for is, sure. Is he's the best we have is 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 what we've seen. I mean, he goes on these runs where he looks like a world beater. And then or just fight the fight. And then he you know has these runs where he, he doesn't look that great. He's not, I mean, so, even some of his wins, he's kind of had that too, you know? Yeah, so like he's looked bad, and then he just has a comeback win. Yeah, or, or, something. or something like that, exactly. I mean, something, he's he's capable of gutting stuff out. I, I don't think he's like a quitter or anything like that. I think just for whatever it is, sometimes he's just cons- inconsistent from like kind of that mental standpoint. It just seems yeah. like he's not always there. That That's what I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say he might be able to beat Adesanya on any given night. To be consistent enough to earn that shot, not possible. I don't think. No, definitely not. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think that's a. <laughs> I don't think that's a very good. I mean, he'll never get that fight. That's just that's a right. Dream. But I mean, in the lead up, he said he was he was eyeing him up. I'm sure he was, him. and and you know, it didn't work. If out. he won, maybe <laughs> could be close to that. But no. All right. That's enough of that. Let's get to contested rounds. We do have, uh, you know, I think we've got one Bellator fight we want to start with, right? And then we're going to get a few few Vegas fights uh, from UFC. So let's start with Bellator over in California. And California, by the way, they seem to have a little, you know, quite a few uh, of the top judges that we're typically seeing, right? This this was the first UFC event that Sal D'Amato didn't work since they got to Vegas for these Apex shows. Would you say California... Is it notch above Nevada? I don't know if that's necessarily of, what that's it sort is. Sort of prestige or something, sort of like that. No, no, no. I think Nevada is still the, like, as far as prestige goes, I think. Yeah, they're what are the fight one. capital? But, but I think what it is is that California is a very respected commission. There's a lot of respect out there for Andy Foster. Um, they haven't had a major show in California this entire time. You've had, you've got to think that a lot of these guys are going out there and saying, hey. We got you, California. We'll, right. we'll be there. We'll be there to show up and, and support. Um, funny thing was we had you know, a couple of California guys in in Ron McCarthy and uh, and Mike Bell. They were over in Vegas. It was kind of funny yeah. just the way it worked out. Maybe maybe it was the timing. Who knows um, of the of the shows being planned or what have you. But let's start with Bellator. 
uh, our one fight here that we we, we only did the pre uh, the main card here. We didn't we didn't look at the prelims here, but there was a split decision. All three rounds up for grabs <laughs> as far as uh, who won it on the judges. Islam Mamadov went in a split decision, 29-28s all around over Brent Premise. So let's start with round one because yeah. we're going to do all three of these. Um, these are all razor close. What a nightmare of a fight to score. Oh my God. If I'm a judge, like I'm just blowing my brains out after having sat, watched that one. Screaming like, give me something more, oh, please. Gosh. Yeah, no. Someone pull away. Uh, so let, yeah, round one is, uh, two out of the three judges seeing this one from Mamadov 10, nine, uh, Marcel Varela and Brian Minor were the two, uh, typical uh, Bellator judges who we've seen work these, uh, events over in, uh, Mohican Sun. Uh, but uh, the 10-9 for premise came from Sal D'Amato. Where'd you go, sir? What did you see here? I mean, it, obviously it was a really close round, but like, what did we really see? This was final. This was, well, this was the only round that it was on the feet for like more than a minute. Like from so, standing at distance so, as opposed to standing yeah, so, I mean, at the cage. At least there was something a little bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, more to judge than, than grappling, really. Right. Not that you and hate grappling. You love grappling. I do, I do. But it was very so, so frustrating watching. I, I, I'll get into that in rounds. Okay, sure. Well, actually, I'll get into it whenever. Basically, on the feet, I thought Mamadev was landing better. On the ground, uh, Primus, and he's attacking. Is that how you say Primus, Primus? I don't know if it's Primus or Primus. I feel like I, I convinced myself of the wrong thing. I, I mean, I listened to the commentary. I listened to them talking about it, but it's probably Primus, and I'm just messing it up. Optimus Primus. He's attacking the Yoma Plata, which I love. And not only that, he's fishing for the Go-Go Plata. He was a... He was a t- he That's my dude. I forgot guard. about him. Yeah, rubber guard, attacking the shoulder, maybe the Go-Go, but I don't think anything was actually all that close. I don't think there was really much da- uh, danger Mamadev had. He just had to rip his arm out each time. Yeah. I guess I you're didn't... forcing him to do that. There is. So. It, it technically is offensive. You have to respect it, but I don't know how close it was either. Yeah. Uh, this this round, I thought Mamadev, he, he landed some good strikes once he freed his arm, and I, I thought that was better. So that that's pretty much my reasoning there. Look, I would love to have said that I saw this one for, for Primus Primus, uh, Optimus Primus, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I did see this one from Mamadov. I thought he was just a little bit more effective in the striking and 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 I just didn't think that what Primus was doing was making up the difference. I mean, look, this is a really hard one and I feel like it you, it's almost like a this is probably like a 400 level course of of judging yeah, and evaluating like... this one, which is why in, in a sense and and this is not meant to be disrespectful to Marcel Varela or Brian Minor, but Sal D'Amato is is kind of like the top of the heap as far as judges in in mm-hmm. our uh, estimation. So the fact that he had this one for Primus, it almost makes me think, well, maybe we should go the way. But I I don't know. I think this is like I said, this has got to be just one of those rounds that I bet you it drives judges kind of nuts because it's like, what are you supposed to evaluate here? Is it are these submission attempts enough to overcome? Because we really don't have a lot of striking. I don't know. It's a tough one. So it, this was tough. But I did go with Mamadov, and and honestly, I have to admit. Part of this was because I knew who the rounds were, you know, who the majority was scored for. And I honestly, I just deferred a little bit to the majority here. Yeah, that's If fine. I'm being honest, I, I that's a lot of it. But, hey, you know what? If if we got 10, you know, let's say 11, so we got an odd number, 11 judges in the room, I wonder if it would be 6 to 5 in favor of one or the other. I don't know. It'd be tough. Not really sure. <laughs> That'd be interesting. But uh, round two, sir, uh, again, 
another split round. This time, Primus was the one uh, who got two out of three, and that was from uh, Sal D'Amato and Brian Minor. Uh, Marcel Varela was on the minority here, seeing him from Mamadov. What happened here? Yeah, so they clinch for a bit, and then Mamadov gets that awesome throw, and that's all he does. Yeah, kind of. So, <laughs> I mean, or not I... even kind of. It really is. He doesn't hold the position inside control. He gets immediately put back in guard. And I thought these attacks that Primus had, these were better attacks. I a little think. bit better, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. I'm just sitting there, and I mean, I know, I know he doesn't get the Gogo plot, but I'm like, oh man, he's looking, <laughs> he's looking. And I mean, this is, like I said, I forgot about the fact that he actually has a Gogo plot a win in the last few years. Um, so he, he immediately has shot. Uh, much higher in my mind than I had him before when I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, he did this. I went premise. I mean, but I I can't say it's wrong to go Mamadev. I mean, I don't know. No, I agree. I mean, this again, this is another round. It's like, well, what are we looking at here? Judges need to really be the ones to probably tell us like how effective the grappling is compared to whatever it is that Mamadov did. I guess the throw. Uh, yeah, I, that's all he had. I, I guess he threw some strikes. Did he even land them though? I don't think he landed anything that any judge would sit there and say and you know they can correct me if I'm wrong but any judge would sit there and say this was a fight ending type of strike no one's he, there's not even intention behind it is like, it really looked more like a stay busy pitter patter thing right yeah that's and what i saw i thought the the arm got extended a few times on, I, on the attack yeah so. no i i agree it's but man this is this whole fight round three let's try and get through this one yeah. <laughs> another round right yeah another i mean man this starts out a little bit more urgency i guess they both throw a kick at the same time and, and premise is off balance or he slips as he's thrown it and uh, mamadev follows him right to the ground ends up on the ground and i thought he was actually striking this time i thought he was landing some good shots and again premise continuing with with the strategy to no avail of, of rubber guard to the, maybe the go-go maybe the omoplata and Mamadev ripping his arm out. There's one attempt where the arm is like really extended, where he switches to an arm bar, but he just doesn't have enough control of the body to finish it. But it was a really solid attempt. Thought Mamadev was in a bit of danger there. I don't think it won him the round though. Okay. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I I had this one for Mamadov, which is how um again Damato and Minor were the majority here. Uh, Varela was the minority, seeing this one for Promise. So, um yeah, I went with you. I don't really have much more to add. This was. Uh, an extremely challenging fight to judge and honestly there's no way anyone could really sit there and say definitively that one fighter won over the other there's absolutely no way yeah it, it was very frustrating because you're like okay he rubber guard pulls the arm out switches to the left butterfly hook and then mamadev doesn't just stuff it and take half guard he lets him very easily just take his leg out and wrap it around you just stuff it. it's like he doesn't want to pass to the right because he would pass to the left but he would never pass to the right and it, it was it was frustrating I think if I was to let's say this fight took place in Pride, I feel like this is a draw. It's just there was, yeah. No, it was very... Did any fighter come away feeling like they got the better of the other guy? No. I mean, honestly, it's it's hard to really sit there and say that I thought Mamadov got the better premise or vice versa. So, like, I I look at this fight as like, okay, somebody had to win it. That's yeah. kind of how it was, just because that's that's the way we do things in the ten point must system, more or less, especially in fights like this. But yeah, man, this is this was a tough one. Yeah, let's hope they don't meet down the road. Again. Gosh, no, this was a terrible. St- I mean, <laughs> this is definitely the the low point of 
uh, the Bellator 263 experience. It was unfortunate it worked out that way, but it, it is what it is. Uh, let's switch over to UFC. We don't want to, I think we've already kind of racked up a bit of time talking about a lot of the other stuff. So let's, let's kind of see if we can move through some of this at, at a, maybe not these two fights. The first of which was a majority draw between Kai Kamaka and Danny Chavez. 28-28 twice and a 29-27 for Kamaka. Round one and three were the rounds we have split. Round two, we'll touch upon really quickly just to point out that uh, this was where Kamaka lost a point. Not for the egregiously damaging eye poke, but for the like shortly thereafter low blow that I didn't think it was as terrible. But I almost feel like uh, it just kind of righted a wrong to take a point. It's kind of... Uh piggybacking off a really bad foul yeah yeah i feel like this was this was almost like upon further review yeah i'm taking the point that and i'm okay with that mm-hmm. uh it was herb dean herb dean correct yeah 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 it, look we got there I'm, I'm fine with it um round one though two out of three judges see this one for kamaka this was mike bell and junichiro kamijo seeing it that way and then a 10-9 from jaron Vallel seeing it for chavez uh what do you see and how'd you go i thought kamaka's leg kicks were really good uh, there was a lot of just staring at each other. There sure was, wasn't there? <laughs> at least this round, yeah. Uh, I thought Chavez had some decent offense. He landed a head kick uh, that was kind of blocked. Seemed to have pretty good impacts. So I, I kind of gave that a bit of a uh, bit of weight there. And I think depending how you view it, they could sway the round. That where Kamaka throws a kick and Chavez throws a right hand and down goes Kamaka. I thought it was a, he landed the right, but I don't think he knocked him down. I think that's he was already slipping. So, but if you see that, maybe he wasn't slipping. I don't know. Maybe he throw the, scored a bit stronger than it was. But I, I scored a 10-9 for Kamaka. Yeah, I ended up there. I don't really have too much more to add to this one. Close round. But I, 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 I you know, was it close but clear? I don't know. It was just close. Just a close round, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went Kamaka here. No problem with Jaron Velo going the other way. Um, and again, we're going to fast forward to round three after we had the point deduction for Kamaka and a round that he won. Uh, so it ended up being a 9-9 round uh, after the deduction, which is obviously very costly because this is why he ended up not getting the win. Costly uh, indeed. But also just the fact that he wasn't able to kind of take some of these other rounds here because round three, he did win on two out of three cards again. Uh, Mike Bell and Jaron Vallel this time, whereas Chavez won on uh, Junichiro Camillo's card. What'd you see? So I think there's there's three main exchanges in this round. Mm-hmm. The first one is they come out both a ball of fire, smashing each other. I think Kamaka won that exchange in the beginning. Then they start clinching. This whole clinch throughout this is another exchange. I'm counting as one. And I think even though Chavez is the one being held against the fence... He's landing big elbows, those yeah, big Travis those elbows Brown really elbows, good. and I think they were better than the knees Kamaka was throwing at the legs. Every time he hit him with an elbow, he, you know, he changes his head direction. He's like, oh, I got to get my head out of here. And he landed quite a few of those. And then I think once they split, I think Chavez wins the exchange in the final you know, 20 seconds. So I go with Chavez, 10-9. I also went with Chavez, 10-9. I, honestly, for me, it really just did come down... In large part to those elbows, I actually thought those were a really good attack in this mm-hmm. round in, in what ended up being a very close round. Mm-hmm. So that was a difference maker for me. You really don't see good elbows being thrown like that from the clinch. It's it's often just, just pitter-patter stuff. And once you see somebody have the wherewithal to throw bigger strikes, it, it definitely stands out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I also went Chavez 10-9. Um, what does that mean, though? If we both had Chavez and... and 
and we saw it the same way as just one judge. That's a couch side override. <laughs> but yeah, I think ultimately the way we scored it, it really is a draw. This is a draw, and, yeah. and it was a costly, costly mistake for Kamaka. Apparently, he could have gotten away with the eye poke if he just didn't throw the low kick. <laughs> just yeah, <laughs> which is such. I mean, I would have been actually pretty mad. Um, if he ended up getting the win here, because I think you should have had a point deducted. Mm-hmm. So I think the rightful decision in this fight was for nobody to win it, because I don't think Chavez did enough to win. Uh, and I don't think Kamaka deserved to win because he lost that point. It is what it is. It's unfortunate. He did fight the, fight the better fight, but there we are. Uh, round, well, then that's it for that one. We are moving on to a, um, another one, which almost was a majority draw, but ended up just being a majority decision mm-hmm. victory for Jason Witt over Brian Barberina. Scores were all over the map, 29-28, 29-27, and they, uh, the 28-28 being a draw. So let's get to it here, sir. Round two, after a unanimous 10-9 for Jason Witt, we now have a debate over a 10-8 round for Wit. Break down what makes it uh, kind of the, the question here. So, he, I mean, he gets two knockdowns, and he had a really strong guillotine attempt in the round. So I guess, I mean, definitely. An extended period on so that gu- The guillotine, guillotine was on yeah. for a while. It was an arm in, right? It was, arm was in, an arm in. And, and, it still... looked like, and it looked like, for me, to, to interrupt, he... he he kind of had it a lot tighter earlier on, and then it, it kind of started to lose it. Well, yeah, obviously it, he got it, out of it, but like yeah. he kind of lost the the angle of it. I thought. I mean, that's always possible. I mean, also he's squeezing; could lose the, the tightness from the squeeze. Cause sure, you're getting tired. Uh, I I also thought. I mean, I didn't go ten eight. I went ten nine. Okay. I thought the knockdowns were more flash knockdowns, and I thought Barbarina had some strong offense of his own, where it offset a little bit, not completely, but I thought he landed some big shots. Well, when you say flash knockdowns, like, what, what does that mean in context of how you would score that? So, I mean, I think he got he gets hit with with it, but I don't think he's like rocked or out of it. Like he just got wow. Okay, he got plunked. He gets stunned a little bit, but he ended stunned, up off his feet. Pops his pops right back up. Okay, don't think you know very very quick recovery. I just I I don't think it affected him at, at, in the round. Okay, I got knocked down, but I'm I'm back up. I'm I'm still fighting. Mm-hmm. That that's why I think. I mean, if he didn't have offense of his own, I mean, I, I would probably have to lean 10-8. It is tough because there is, this feels like a 10-8 in the uh, couchside judges. Oh, I think so. This feels like yeah. a very much a middle score, like a, what mm-hmm. you'd call, I guess, a 10-8 and a half, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I did go for the eight here. And actually, Mike Bell was the one who saw it, uh, the 10-8 round. Uh, Rick Winter and Tony Weeks only had this one as 10-9, so they saw it your way. But I saw it the same way as Mike Bell, and, and a lot of it had to do, and I think I agree with you. On the knockdowns, they really weren't all that like high damaging. I don't think there was no like duration on on the offense that kind of came with that. But the one of them that was followed up by, with that guillotine attempt, I scored that guillotine attempt a lot more than I think you did. I thought the guillotine was great, but I thought it was enough to push it there because I think there you can you can say there's damage because we do have two knockdowns. Mm-hmm. How high damage? Right, you know, yeah. it's, it's debatable. But I think we also have, and, and damage I think can also qualify with damage or, or dominance, if you, whichever one you'd really put that with, uh, the guillotine attempt. And then duration. I mean, he had that attempt for a little while. He doesn't have the offensive duration for much else in the round. I think that's kind of the question is like, where does that really get scored by a judge? So I don't know that this is a very strong 10 8. But yeah, I, I didn't going the 10 8 just like Mike Bell. And I mean, realistically, like when you have a guillotine like that, if you're a judge and you're sitting there about eva- what are you evaluating? Because you can't see the guy's face. 
you know, I imagine a lot of it is, you, is you're looking for kind of some of the other signs, right? So I think you're looking for last ditch escape effort efforts. Mm-hmm. Like technique goes out the window and now we're just spazzing around trying to get out. I think that's an indicator that it's in pretty good. What about like noises and stuff? Gurgling if you can hear it for yeah. sure. Which obviously we yeah. us sitting at home, we have no idea about that because as as much as they've gotten better, especially at UFC Apex of giving us the in cage sounds, I mean something like gurgling, it would have to be really loud. I mean, they mic up football players and that's a full contact sport. Where would they put the mic on this one, sir? <laughs> They're was... not wearing shirts. The t- on the trunks. I don't know. I don't I don't want to know what sounds we would hear coming from the trunks. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> But yeah, sometimes with a choke like this, you kind of almost have to defer to the judges. And obviously, only one judge saw it that way. But you have to wonder, like, is there something that different feedback that he had that you and I didn't have, you know? Yeah, possible. It's tough. Um, but yeah, I did go with the 10-8. Totally unmarried to it. You know, this is this is very much a borderline 10-8. So it uh, would be really nice if someone uh, listened to a couple episodes of Couchside Judges and said, hey, maybe we should change the scoring system and do what we do. Yeah, why don't you do that? Yeah, do it. Make it easy on yourself. Just let us be in charge. <laughs> we could totally run the ABC. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> now, it's Mike Mazzulli's uh, job for the next two years being the president. Mm-hmm. Actually, they just had their, their elections at the ABC uh, conference last week, which we haven't even really got to touch upon. I hope we can uh, discuss that, hopefully, in the, mm-hmm. in the coming week or two. Uh We'll see what we can do. Round three, though, of this fight, because we still have to keep going with this one. This is another 10-8-9 debate, but it actually goes the other way. Brian Barberina finally showing some signs of life. Uh, what'd you see here? I mean, is, is this an eight or a nine? Where, what, what's the argument? So, you know, I don't mind if someone goes nine, or I'm, so, I'm sorry, if someone goes eight in round two. Okay. But I don't like not going eight in round three if you went eight in round two. So what you're saying is you're being hypercritical of Mike Bell and you hate his guts. No. Oh, okay. I love Mike Bell. Okay. He's one of my favorites. All right. But I think this is easier, easier, more. I think this is easily a bigger round for Barbarina than round two was for Wit. I actually thought so too. But let's break it down. Why? So, I mean, like, what, what what are we seeing? And maybe you can even play devil's advocate for for judges Bell and Winter. Here. I, I would even say this. Okay, so Wit Wit actually made Barbarina fall to the canvas. Barbarina, some of his shots Wit stood up with, but I think they were more damaging overall. He looked like he was so, in major trouble. Yeah, like we've seen guys out on their feet all the time. Fights get stopped with no one hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. I just think I think Wit was in a lot more trouble, much more uh, diminishing blows were landed on him in this round i mean witt has some some of his own offense too he lands that spinning back fist it was a crazy round and then he, even at the end barbarina throws up a, a, a kimura which more time who knows maybe but you can't score that mm-hmm. so i mean originally live i scored this at 10-9 i had a 10-9 one two and three okay upon further review i decided you know what this is a 10-8 yeah, I had this one as a 10 8 too. Um, obviously, I, seeing the other one as a 10 8, I actually felt it was much easier to go the 10 8 in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm not, you know, for me, I'm sure there's reasons why you could see one or the other. See, uh, my, my, yeah, my thing was okay, maybe he, he found two D's in round two and only found one in round three. Well, what about I like kind of, sure. let me ask you, what about the end sequence kind of the, of round three here? The end sequence? Like the, the last few seconds kind of. The, the, pace of the fight kind of it changes a little bit we got a little bit of signs of life from from uh wit yeah well I mean, he he was in this fight i mean he was fighting for his life pretty much 
but very much at the end, like you start to see him kind of have just a little bit more success, right? Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, he had he had his he had offense mm-hmm. in this round. It's it's not like he didn't have offense. It's just I thought Barbarina had the round of the fight. I think he had a very very strong ten eight even before that end. So like I think it was kind of hard to steal it back. It would be hard, yeah. But was this round the Kimura? Am I mistaken? Where Barbarina locks up a Kimura? I don't wait. I don't believe so, actually, sir. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, I watched this earlier in the day. Yeah. He, he, I mean, I know Barbarina has a Kimura he throws up at some point, and it's actually a pretty decent attempt, but nothing comes of it. I'm not sure. Maybe that was round two. I don't know. Yeah, I, I believe so, a lot of his offense in this round was was pretty much striking based. Right, so. I, right. Yeah, he was. He almost finished him. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, I don't have it in my notes or anything, but yeah. So I I definitely saw this one as a uh, a ten eight for Barbarina, uh, and so did you. So did Tony Weeks, actually. This is, you know, Tony Weeks, who we don't normally see going <laughs> the 10-8. Uh, although we've seen him a lot more kind of going for these eights and and uh, and being more willing to throw them out there. But not always at the same time as some of the other judges. It's, it's very interesting. Um, but if we saw it the same way as, as again, the uh, the out judge. So oh, what does that mean? Another couch side override. <laughs> we'll send uh, Tony Weeks' pendant. Yeah. Then we're giving out pendants. I forget what we're giving out. Trophies, pendants. Pendants. Pendants of life, like the Legends of the Hidden Temple. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know it, you had to be a kid in the 90s. All right, but we we have two more quick fights. I don't think we have to talk too much about these. One of them, actually, is uh, Sean Strickland, of course, uh, beating your eye hall. Unanimous decision. It was 50-44, 50-45, and 49-46, which means we do have just two rounds to discuss here. Everything else was 10-9 for Strickland. Round two is a 10-9 for Strickland and a 10-9 for Hall. Mike Bell and Junichiro Kamija saw for Strickland. Eric Cologne saw it for Hall. What did you see, sir? Oh, this was a much closer round compared to round one. For sure. Uh, I think Strickland beat up Hall pretty good against the cage. And then from there on out, it was pretty even. I think he maintained that lead. Pretty close, though. I stuck with a 10-9 Strickland. Yeah, I think it's the volume is really the difference here. It's just I don't know who's really landing much more impactfully than the other. So I think the, the volume is is where I sided with Strickland here. So uh, not crazy to go Hall. I think there is some argument for maybe he did land a little bit harder. But I, I think the volume really is, is going to put it over for Strickland here. So I, I went 10-9 just like you did. All right. Round three, this is our 10-8-9 debate. Uh and it's interesting because I don't I don't know how long I really thought this one to be a potential 10-8. I scored this one 10-8 live. Okay. I thought Hall was hurt badly. But, but it, I mean, it really wasn't developing that way for a little while. You know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. But I think this is where it comes in. Oh, this is a very diminishing blow. Mm-hmm. He just crumbles pretty much. He really does. Yeah. And it, it was what? It was that punch that was like a left that he lands, they, they, right? That it was so land? close. Like, it was, it's a left, and then they thought they collided heads on, you know, later on. The yeah, there was obviously the discussion they were having, but, I mean, Felder and, no. uh, yeah. He just, and he just folds over, and Strickland just starts smashing him, and somehow Hall survives it. I kind of am on in the belief that Strickland allowed him to survive it because he's a sick man. But he wants to kill someone. Don't you remember I this? No, but he wanted to drag this out. For some reason, I felt he could have finished a couple times, and he just took his foot off the gas because he wanted to prolong the suffering. But that doesn't help right. him. I, I, I know. It just he's a obviously he's, guy. He's, he's kind of so, a, not the most irrational person. So like yeah. that's. I mean, when I was watching, I felt that he could have taken Hall out in the fifth or the fourth, mm-hmm. and he just he had the opportunity, he just didn't take it because he wanted to prolong the suffering. But you ultimately saw this one as a 10-8 for Strickland. Yeah, I, I went 10-8 for Strickland. I also did. I thought I thought he did enough to get it over the hump uh, with that exchange there. That, that I mean, that's 
that's a highly diminishing mm-hmm. blow. Um, and and follow up exchange too with it, with all that stuff too. So, uh, you know, you and I saw it the same way as Mike Bell here. Another uh, ten eight from Mike Bell. Uh, Cologne and Camillo only scored this one as a ten nine. So since we saw it with uh, just Mike Bell, what, what does that mean? A couch side over. <laughs> Boom! Oh, that's terrible. Scott gave his best one last week and he's struggling this week i am it's struggling okay. this week i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> we actually we actually edited one uh earlier and uh <laughs> this one this one you're gonna hear i just obviously i don't have it in me right now <laughs> uh everyone has a down week but uh let's move on though we do have one more round and again not a very con uh consequential round in the grand scheme just like the last two we did uh this was on the prelims zaruka dashev he got 30 27 times two and a 29 28 unanimous decision victory over ryan benoit uh who had a really really messed up leg after this one did you see some photos i didn't see it oh it's disgusting (laughs) you should check it out (laughs) it's disgusting you should go see it Uh, <laughs> but round three, after already losing the first two rounds, I mean, he, there was not much he could have done other than finish the fight. Um, uh, instead he spent a lot of the time, uh, pointing, right? Ryan Benoit. He did point. I mean, did a lot of pointing. I do think the shots that he landed after the points before the were points. good. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. Whenever he pointed after he landed something, I thought it was pretty. He was he was letting strike, you know. So. Yeah, it was a good one, and and he was right. That's but, a good one. But maybe just keep throwing. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> just a thought because you you don't want to just win on the points you need to actually if only like, nate win. diaz didn't point at leon edwards that's what right it, it, you know, maybe ryan benoit would have won this if it was a street fight if they just fought that's to the true. death <laughs> maybe that's what he would have done he would have pointed for about 45 to 50 minutes and then ultimately adashev couldn't handle anymore i don't know uh although his leg like i said was destroyed uh, but yeah um I'll just break it down real quick i thought it was a very close round that well i ended up scoring it for benoit 10-9 i thought what put it over was everything that you know Benoit was landing, was changing course of Adeshev, was getting moved around. And He's doing would, a lot of retreating after the strikes are landed. I mean, there's a clear, like, I don't like this. Yeah, and, and anytime Adeshev landed, I mean, they're good strikes, but Benoit's walking right through them. So, I mean, the effect, I think, it weighs in Benoit's favor. And that I immediate that impact, right? Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I saw this one for Benoit also. Uh, so you and I sided with Ron McCarthy, whereas Eric Cologne and Tony Weeks, uh, they saw this one for Adeshev. I, you know. Sure. Uh, it doesn't really matter that much, but I, I just I thought that immediate impact was uh, coming mm-hmm. from Benoit, just like you did. But since we uh, saw this one with uh, Ron McCarthy uh, and, and Ron McCarthy alone, what does that mean? Redemption time for you, sir. Another couch side override. <laughs> I think I nailed that one. You got that one. I, I like kind of got myself ready for it. I braced for it instead of just kind of letting it roll. Yeah. And I think I think we were all better off for it. Yeah. Or maybe you hate that noise. I don't know. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. But that is it. Uh, let's move on to the finishes real quick. We've got uh, four from the UFC card. All TKOs or KOs. Bellator had seven finishes. They had more fights, but not that much more. Uh, five by KO or TKO and two by sub. What was your favorite from the whole weekend? Cheyenne Bay's smashing Gloria de Paula in a minute. One minute flat, 60 seconds. Perfect yeah. timing on a head kick. Yes. Grounded opponent standing up. She throws it at the perfect time. Rocks her. Walks off for a split second. Then says, oh, I guess the, well, she's still fighting. So I'm going to jump on top of her mm. from Mount and just smash her till it's really over. And then earn 50K for it. And she was sitting there crying because it was life-changing money, which is great for her and also sad for the UFC that that's what it happens to the co-main event winner. It's so pathetic. It is sad. I mean, I got, I got some thoughts, but I don't want to get too into it. I mean, that's fine. But look, I will say this. 
we had a lot more money being paid out at the Bellator card than the UFC card. And it's not just yeah. the million dollars. Right. It was just a much more lucrative payout for the fighters. And this is a very rare instance of it. Now, look, Bellator did have a losing fighter take home $4,000, which is a pretty awful take home. I saw some early on that. I think those were local fighters. It, it, and look, they probably had to sell tickets as well. I, and that's, so, that's, that's kind of sad. Too. I always hate that. Um, I don't know anything about that. I'll just take your word for it as it is. But, uh, you know, I, I I'm just speculating. Oh, you are. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. well, shoot. I don't know then. I'm just I don't trust you at all. But uh, no, like when major promotion you you see in that, that's uh, that, that's likely the scenario. The next best uh or you know, the next lowest uh loser I think took on like $10,000. Realistically, Bellator probably could have spared an extra uh what, what would it be? I guess it would be $12,000 cuz you do 6 and 6 uh mm. for each fighter. Uh if they had just done that and everybody made five figures, man, it would have looked even better. But yeah, I mean, to, back to the point uh, that I'm making anyway, uh, Cheyenne Bays shouldn't be crying because she got that bonus money. I mean, her contract shouldn't be that bad. No. It's, that's unfortunate. Uh, but good for her. It is what it is. We're in the reality, and good for her that she now has that money. I hope she uh, can make good use of that, her and her husband, who obviously also fights. What was your favorite finish of the weekend? You know, there was a couple good ones. Honestly, we have, like I said, 11 finishes between these two cards. I went with Usman Nurmagomedov uh, shutting down Manny Muro with a clinch knee to the liver. When I watched that live, I thought it was a low blow. I was like, he went down like such a ton of bricks. But obviously we it saw it, it was blow. very clearly to the liver. And I mean, you just don't see a clinch knee like that to the liver shut it down very quickly, especially like just the way he did. I mean, he was he was done. He's just like, oh, my body doesn't want this anymore. Yeah. And then it, Khabib corrects him on some of the things he did wrong. Khabib yeah. is an exacting coach. <laughs> what would you expect from the guy who retired as the undefeated champion of the UFC? Yeah. The one guy to do this. And realistically, he ain't coming back. He looks happy. Mm -hmm. And he looks a little healthier, maybe in weight. He's eating more. Uh, many uh, burger cheese. <laughs> I would love to have a cheeseburger with Khabib because that man appreciates Sounds. one, and I and I too appreciate a good cheeseburger. <laughs> but yeah, that was my favorite. It's a good one. That does it for this episode. We'll be back again midweek. No, we'll be on Friday. End of the week. End of the week. Friday. We, we record midweek. We record midweek, <laughs> and we'll be on on Friday. I have a little past judgment for you. Maybe maybe, maybe we'll change it up. We're, we're working on some things. We'll see what we can get done. Uh, and, uh, yeah, thanks again for everybody listening, and uh, we'll see you Friday. Have a good one. <laughs>